2: hello and welcome to the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast i'm your host clint campbell and you are listening to episode number four today we're joined by predator quest pro staff member jerry lannon he'll be sharing predator hunting tips that may help you with your qdm Welcome to The Truth From The Stand, Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell. Uh, you're listening to episode number four, where today we'll talk with Jerry, Jerry Lannon from Predator Quest uh, Pro Staff. Uh, looking forward to that conversation today. Um, I don't have a whole lot of back uh, history or, or background information or knowledge in general about predator hunting, so selfishly, I've been kind of looking forward to this. But before we dive into that, I'm joined, as always, with my esteemed colleague, uh, Phil Marchek. How's it going, Phil? It's going well. You're full of compliments this morning. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, you know, whenever uh, when when you've been having beverages poolside as frequently as I have, uh, the compliments begin to flow a little bit more freely. I don't know if it's the uh, social lubricant that I've been uh, been applying heavily over the past few days of my vacation, or uh, or if you're just that, that that swell of a guy.
3: I hope it's kind of both. And speaking of lubricant, I hope you're keeping a sunscreen on.
2: Um. Yeah. I've no i haven't but <laughs> <laughs> yes no i have i haven't learned my lesson from my uh from my run-in uh right. early memorial day weekend <laughs> um but i have managed to stay out of the sun uh to a degree by you know for obviously those who are listening don't know but i'm on vacation now i'm coming to you live and hot from uh north carolina uh, spending a couple of days at my dad's and then the wife and i and the and the kiddo will be headed to Asheville, North Carolina, for a couple of days in the mountains. Um, but he's got a pool, and so we just kind of hang out by the pool. And he's got a you know a, a block target, so I, I shoot a fair amount of of archery while I'm here. And he just put on the back of his house a uh, like a, a nice overhang. I think it's called a pergola, maybe is what it's called. Mm, yes, a, sir. Uh, yeah. Um, he just put one of those on this past year, um, so it makes a nice canopy for getting out of the heat. But the heat index, I think, the day we got here was like 111.
3: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, you know on vacation, but I spent most of that day uh, sitting in the air conditioning, uh, half passed out (laughs) on the
3: couch. I doubt it was just because of the heat.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, that was just I had a long travel. I had Mm. I I traveled for work on Tuesday. I was in Rochester, yeah, and then uh, and then Wednesday I had all day meetings, and then I flew from Rochester back to Philly, and then we jumped in the car like as soon as I got back in town off my flight around eight, and jumped in the car and drove most of the way to North Carolina and then had a had a stay over at a hotel and then drove the rest of the way thir- Thursday morning so it was great. a long couple of days of travel but we're here to uh to talk deer um in, in, in hunting today, you know, we're going to dive into some some predator hunting today, so I'm super interested in that. But before we jump into all that, is there any uh, any late breaking news on the Marchek side of things?
3: Yeah, so I, I we had talked, you and I had talked uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit about this earlier in the week, but uh, a buddy of mine from back home who uh goes hunting on the same land as I do, um. He reported to me, went to go to clear out some <clears throat> some trails, some shooting lanes, and we had two of our stands, uh, two of our lock-on stands, stolen. Oh, uh, man. And I use stolen because I, I doubt that the deer, uh, the whole imposable thumb thing and lack thereof, uh, I yeah. doubt that they're taking him down. Um, and, you know, there have been a couple uh, run-ins, I think, you know, over the past you know, 10, 15 years with some some rowdy guests from up the road but uh yeah so so that's, that's really disheartening i mean um yeah it's kind of it's hard to have have nice things sometimes anymore these days yeah i i think i think it really comes down to the fact that it, you know it's it's a i don't want to say 50/50 but uh as as much as i want to blame the perpetrators who who took it you know we should probably this year if we grab a couple other stands you know take them down in the off season uh it's yeah. unfortunate because you know it's it's convenient we like to leave them there and it just makes it easier for us um you know when when the next season comes around to just you know they're already there and established but um you know i think we just got to put in a little extra work take them down store them and uh doing a little bit more extra work in the preseason. so it's unfortunate yeah but. yeah
2: we, i mean we've we've had pretty good luck with the exception of me thinking that the one ladder stand may have gotten stolen this year but we've left a lot of them up you know we'll take them down and just kind of check them out and then put them right back up and make sure right. there's nothing <clears throat> from a safety perspective that's going to go wrong with them but you know ours usually stay up for the for the most part my late breaking news this week was um you know been planning the trip to ohio and i think as i mentioned on the last the last time we chatted i uh, got my license and i'm kind of all good to go i've been scoping a couple spots and then uh, my friend Tate, you know, is is going to be going with me, and then you may be going as well if you know we kind of figure out what the timing is and so forth. Yes, sir. But uh, the one guy that we were planning to go with uh, is a, a friend of Tate's, and uh, he works with him, and that was kind of the the plan last year because um, his his buddy Eric uh, has a spot that he goes to year after year after year. He has some success out there. Um, and he kind of knows the spot really well. I don't know exactly how long he's been going to the same spot, but I want to say it's probably been seven to 10 years. He's been kind of Mm -hmm. hunting the same area. Um, and we were planning to go with him because he really knows that area and he can he was basically like, you know, I can put us on deer when we get out there pretty easily or at least get us in the right spots, uh, which would make it, you know, a lot easier going out on a DIY hunt if you have someone who's had some, some success there, but also some familiarity just with the, with the area in general. But he had a really bad accident at work. Um right after right after the new year mm-hmm. um you know where he lost a, a limb actually which don't want to be a, a big downer here this there's, there's it's more uplifting i promise here in a couple of seconds <laughs> <laughs> just wait for it <laughs> yeah, you gotta wait for it um you know so you know tate and i of course talked and we weren't even going to mention anything about hunting to him because you know of, of, of his accident and you know he was going to have some serious rehab and and stuff like that um, you know coming up and was just kind of considering like he this hunting season for him would probably be
1: a wash Swash for the most it. part, yeah,
2: um, but obviously that's the least important thing going on. It's you know he's he made it through the accident. You know he's good spirits and he's one of those just tough country boys where he's like I'm going to be all right. You know take what you got to take. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a really awesome phone call from Tate uh, earlier this week where he said you know he and I were talking about going out and doing a scout slash hunt because I think Ohio's season opens on the twenty fourth of september okay and we and instead of making a separate trip out where we were gonna just basically scout and then lose that day or lose that trip essentially like in late august or early september we were both kind of like well why don't we just go out and do a scout slash hunt trip that way at least you know we can kind of scout in the morning a little bit find a place to set up on the evening for the evening set up do it the second day and just kind of you know that way we're not wasting wasting the trip out yeah and tate calls me this week and says hey eric eric got a hold of me and uh Basically said, hey, you still down for Ohio this year? He's like, yeah. And I got a buddy who's ready to go. He's like, all right. He's like, well, let's go out the first week of September. I want to go out and scout and start getting stuff together. He's like, because I'm going this year. Wow. So, yeah. So I was, I was, I was excited for a couple reasons. One, because you know the dude had a really bad accident and he's, um, you know he's just gonna kind of power through. And you know it seems as though his uh his rehab and all that stuff is going really well. And he's he's learning to use his prosthetic well and stuff like that. So it seems like he's gonna give it a go, which is is good in itself. So is he, is he rocking a crossbow then? No, no, he, his, his accident was to a lower limb. Ah, So he, so he's still able to, you know, pull back his compound and stuff like that. The challenge is just like the terrain and getting used to using that lower limb prosthetic to be able to feel the terrain. So he's not, you know, falling over hopefully. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know he's a t- he's a tough old boy, so he'll he'll make it through. He just said, he's like I might just be a little slower than
3: usual. He's like you might just have to hold up for me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, there's there's no there's nothing better to heal something like that than motivation. You know, he's yeah. got something to aim for, something to gun for. So that's great. Yeah, exactly. So and then the, you know the flip side of that, the awesome, the, the second part, which
2: is obviously way low on the scale of awesome, is uh you know that we should be able to get into an area uh, much more quickly. You know with him you know, with us because he just knows the area that we're going exactly. to be going to really, really well. So awesome. the area that I've been kind of looking at um, may not be the area that we go to because I've kind of defaulted to him since he has the uh, information out there. But I'm supposed to talk to him this week and just kind of set up some plans for when we want to get out there and where we might want to go. And if the areas that I had been kind of looking at, how close are they to like the areas that he's hunted in the past? Cause we might be able to kind of make a trip out and mm-hmm. kind of hit the areas that he's familiar with quickly and then maybe shoot off to the areas that I've kind of pinpointed on the map, um, but yeah. So all, all all good things. But that's nice, uh, nice. I'm really you know enjoying vacation at this point, but I'm itching to get back because so I think we're gonna head back to the farm because I've not looked at a camera since the beginning of beginning of July and the one on the mountain I haven't looked at or what it was a uh, Memorial Day weekend was the last time I looked.
3: Are You getting the the one. twitches? Yeah, I'm,
2: get, I'm getting the twitches because <laughs> the last pool <laughs> the last pool we had had a couple of. Uh, a couple of promising prospects. On I, saw the, uh, yeah, I saw Yeah,
3: the one you sent me.
2: Yeah, so um, you know they're obviously batched or grouped up right now. Um, kind of think I know where they're at. I think I have an idea where you know what might be the uh, the stud of the group or the the boss of the clan. Uh, I think I have an idea where he where he may be betting. Um, just want to kind of go back. I'm not going to do like any crazy scouting, of course, but I think I have a general idea. But I really just want to see how much more growth they've put on in the past in the past month um because what i had seen at the uh, beginning of july was was looking pretty good and i was kind of a projecting forward it was like man if he if he continues at the rate that he's uh he was moving at you know at the beginning of july then i might have something pretty uh pretty nice to try to chase around down there this year so look out yeah looking forward to that but um i think at this point you know i think we can go ahead and that's all the updates I have, so we, we could probably go ahead and get Jerry on the, on the line unless there's anything else you want to add. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to him because I don't know if you've predator hunted in the past, but, but I've not. I had a little bit of a pre-screening call with him yesterday. <clears throat> um, the dude really knows his stuff. He's a, he's a Pennsylvania
3: boy as well, which is nice. Nice. Um, no, I, yeah. think, I think the only predator hunting I've done is uh, an angry groundhog.
2: Yeah, that's probably <laughs> about the extent <laughs> extent of mine too. Um and, you know, and we do have some Yodis at the farm which would be nice to try to take care of. So, um, you know, looking forward to talking to him. Hopefully he can point me in the right direction, at least so that I can get started and maybe extend my hunting season a little bit, you know, after deer season can turn my attention to some, some predators. So That'd be pretty sweet. Further, yeah, yeah, exactly. So By the way, I do have I
3: do have a piece of news. A piece of oh, news. Yeah? Uh yeah. So I sent the picture uh when I got it, but I am set for, uh, for the farm. A little dough tag action.
2: Oh, yeah, nice. Remember that? Yeah. Did you get yours yet? It, had, it didn't come before I left for vacation, uh, so I don't... I there's a little present waiting for you. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. It,
3: well, the, all the floors are being redone in our place while we're gone, so hopefully the mail didn't get thrown away, so <laughs> or it didn't come through the mail slot and go underneath the floors. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'd be that'd be a new uh, a new interesting way to to make some tag soup as if it is permanently placed underneath my floors. Right. So, all right, cool. Without further ado, though, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and uh, give Jerry a ring and uh, learn about some predator hunting. All right, everyone, we're back. And we are now joined by Jerry Lannon from Predator uh, Quest Hunting TV uh, as a pro staff member. Um, as I mentioned at the top, you know, we're pretty excited to talk to Jerry. Um, I don't have a whole lot of information or, or knowledge when it comes to predator hunting. And uh, we had a little bit of a pre-screening call yesterday when he and I kind of just chatted a little bit. And, uh, you know, selfishly, of course, I'm really looking forward to the, to the information he can share with us today because I think it may, uh, in fact, help me out on my farm. Um, and I'm sure that some of the uh, the listeners will find this uh, conversation valuable as well. But first, how, how's it going, Jerry?
0: Good, good. How are you guys doing?
2: Not too bad. Uh, hanging in there. I'm on uh, I'm on vacation down here in North Carolina trying to beat the heat. Um, but are other- so just
3: rubbing it in at this point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to stay well well hydrated with uh, with fine pilsners and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and and trying to stay out of the sun. But uh, but otherwise, we're do we're doing okay. Um, I know yesterday you and I talked a little bit. Um, you know, I know you're a Pennsylvania boy, uh which, you know, makes me even that much more excited about the conversation that we can, you know, bring some other Pennsylvania folks into the fold here. Um, but for those of you who or, you know, for the listeners who, you know, may not know who you are and, and, and what you do and and where you're from and so forth, could you just give us a little bit of background about yourself, what you do, um, you know, predator hunting and uh and uh where you're from?
0: Yeah. I'm Morphale, Pennsylvania. It's pretty much it's in the center of PA, so uh got hooked up with the Predator Quest T V which has been a great it's been great ever since it's been about six months now. There's everyone there is a great group of guys, so uh, but I've been predator hunting here for almost twenty years now and it's it's good for me to say the coyote hunting's getting better, but it's bad to say that because no one wants a lot of coyotes, so I enjoy hunting them. So that's the, the downfall I guess. You know people don't want a pile of coyotes. So you know? But other than that, I'm a corrections officer. My normal job is a corrections officer, and I spend most of the other time coyote hunting. Nice.
2: So how, you know, when you and I talked a little bit, I know that you uh, also do some, do some deer hunting. And, uh, you know, how was your uh, 2015 season?
0: Well, no, it was good. Good. I tagged out. I got a, a eight point and a doe, so it's pretty good here. I got an archery season. I was happy with that.
2: Nice. Yeah, that's uh, better. Better than mine. I basically sweated in a tree stand in November for, for the most part. <laughs> yeah. I did manage to take a doe, but uh, you know, it was I, I got more sweat than I did uh, than I filled tags. That was for sure. But uh, you know, so predator hunting—it's it, interesting because you know, I grew up in PA, and I remember growing up as a as a kid. I didn't recall there being a ton of, of coyotes around. It wasn't until you know I moved away and lived in Florida for probably ten years, and I came back and. Of course, there was a lot more coyotes in the area than I ever remembered. Um, you know, but so it was something that was I never really thought of growing up as getting as getting into. So I'm just curious. I, when I think of predator hunting, I always think of more western states and guys getting getting into it because they obviously have you know different types of predators and and so forth. So how did you get into predator hunting? What kind of what kind of spawned
0: that? I uh, when I was 14, when I started hunting here, and I was 12, I had a I started hunting with the 3030 for deer. And I grew up on a farm, and I was always hunting farm fields. And, you know, I had the 3030, and this, you know, the range on that, not very far. You know, 150 right. yards is pretty much max. You know, I mean, obviously you can shoot farther than that, but I was only 12, and I was always missing. And, you know, so my parents told me they were going to get me a new deer rifle for Christmas. And uh, I told them, I said, I wanted something that, I don't have to hold two foot high on to try to shoot that doe or whatever out in the field. But well, when I was 14, they got me a 7mm Magnum, which, you know, <laughs> I, I was just a little little kid that had a big gun, but it was nice because it, you didn't have to hold high on anything. Well, like they, they got that for me before deer season for Christmas. Well, me and my dad went out to uh, a big chunk of game lands out called Black Shannon, and uh, we before uh, rifle season, we would decide were decided we were going to go out there and look around. Maybe, maybe that's where we were going to hunt at. We're, we weren't 100% sure. Well, we walked probably three-quarters of a mile down into this big hollow, and uh, my dad had this old PS Old Coyote Fox call. It's an old company that, you know, they were probably one of the first ones that started making toddler calls, and it sounds terrible. You know, I like, when I hear it now, I'm like, I don't know how that thing even worked. But and <laughs> we got down in there, and I had my new rifle, and Dad had a, i think he had a .30-06, so. and we walked down in there, and we just stopped, and we're standing there on the old logging road, and he just starts wailing on that old call, and it was only a couple minutes, and we see something running at us, and I'm like, what is that? Well, here was a coyote coming in, and uh, like, we never even, we never heard of him. No one ever heard of coyotes around there. I mean, you heard a couple people seeing them, but you're like, ah, you, need it. you probably just saw somebody's dog or something. Right. But sure enough, that thing came up probably 40, 50 yards from us. And we were both in so much shock that what happened, we never even took our rifles off our shoulders. <laughs> it, it saw us turn around and was gone, you know. And, and I remember like we're looking at each other and like, man, that's, that was a coyote, you know. But ever since then, that, that first initial seeing that thing come in just sparked the the fire in me that i can't that's terrible i can't get rid of it now you know <laughs> well wow, so uh, you,
2: you, you kind of fell into coyote hunting backwards almost right it's kind of what it yeah. sounded like wow yeah i tell you what though when you do see them in the in the wild if you get a chance to it's uh because you know at least for me they've been so scarce to see um you know live um mm-hmm. it does kind of just make you th- Stop and take pause for a second. You're used to seeing deer, turkeys, but it's predators are just such different creatures. I think that when I see them, it's kind. Of, I, I, they're kind of awe inspiring for a moment. It's like whenever I see a bear in the woods. It's like I don't often do see them. So when I do, mm-hmm. it's kind of a big deal. You know, it's for me, yeah. it's kind of the same with coyotes. Whenever I've, I've only ever seen one live in the wild, um, and it definitely was like I, I had to take a double take because I same thing as you just mentioned. I thought it was someone's dog, and then whenever I looked, I was like that's a mangy looking dog. <laughs> and uh and why is it why is it in the middle of that field <laughs> yep. so, uh, so <clears throat> i know you you're, you're mentioning obviously coyotes and in, in this in this area you know do you do you primarily hunt coyotes or do you hunt other predators and where you know in pennsylvania are you or i guess are some of the better spots and if you're hunting elsewhere what are some of those other places that you're hunting
0: i mainly hunt like i, I hunt coyote fox and try to get after bobcats too but i mean they're Bobcats are pretty. I don't want to say they're scarce, but they're it's hard to to get after them. I mean, you can get lucky and call them in, but I mainly hunt. I'll say within an hour, an hour and twenty minutes. Like if you put a circle around where I live, you know, I don't travel very far. I hunt. Hmm. A lot of farmers and stuff will get a hold of me and say, Hey, you know, I got. I've been hearing coyotes. I've been seeing coyotes. You know, come down here and get rid of them for me. Right. So, So I don't travel overly far. You know, I've never been out west hunting them i'd like to make a trip out there you know mm-hmm. just to see the what's how a different how it differs between here and out there you know mm-hmm.
3: you know what's you know what's interesting jerry about that you know having farmers reach out to you and say hey we have some coyotes running around You know, need to take care of them is i don't have anybody reaching out to me saying hey i got this 10 pointer that's really eating these shrubs you need to come take care of it <laughs> <laughs> see, if,
0: you, if you start coyote hunting and you get in there and you do a good job then maybe they'll get a hold. Of, hey, you know what? You did all right. You want to? You know, you're more welcome to go out here and do some hot stuff. If you want.
3: Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> right?
0: Kind of had of weasel your way in there a little bit. You know? <laughs> I like the
2: I like the
1: sounds of that. What? Uh. So with uh. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: The predator hunting, you were, you were mentioned that the farmers are getting hold of you. Now I'm sure a lot of these farmers, you know, are, are obviously looking to make sure that their livestock is safe and so forth, especially if they're, you know, have, having a lot of young calves, you know, during the, during the spring or what have you. Um, but, you know, do you ever have folks you know who are managing specifically for deer give you a call in and can you i guess do you have any even if you don't have any scientific you know data like evidence that would say yeah that it's you know we went in and we removed this many coyotes and we saw this kind of increase in their fawn recruitment or what have you on this farm Mm -hmm. but i'm sure that you can just as many years as you've been doing this i'm sure that you just have some you know um, anecdotal evidence of of how predator hunting on a farm helps doe recruitment and helps the deer herd can you talk any to that
0: yeah. Yep. I, uh, uh, one guy here owns a, a good pile of ground and he manages that whole thing for, uh, whitetail. And it's, he has some big, big deer in there. You know, I've gone in there a couple of times this year at, at night hunting and whenever I walk into the field, I always sneak in and like shine the light. Cause you never know. You might catch the coyote out in the field, but there's mm-hmm. a couple times it, it looks like there's, there's elk out there. You know what I mean? I'm like, Holy crap. Wow. You know, but a little bit like information about coyotes is you have to in, in areas that are holding coyotes, you have to kill 70% of the population to keep this population the same for next year. Wow. Like you can't, it's that once they're there, it's, I mean, it's, it's a pain to try to get them out. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can try to, to take them out by calling them. I mean, people have people, they have people come in a trap, you know, and sometimes just by going in there and, Messing with them, you get them to move out of that area. So, either you know, if the farmer or the guy managing the land wants a coyote's out of there, sure, I want to go in there and take them, get rid of them. But just by me going in there a couple times might kick them out of that area. I mean, they're probably going to come back, but at least Mm -hmm. it, you know, you're you're keeping them away. But they estimate like an average that a coyote kills eight to ten deer a year, fawns, you know. So, I mean. If you do the math, I mean, if you got, say, you got six coyotes on your on your ground, you're looking at, you know, maybe forty-eight to fifty deer, you know, give right. or take. I mean, it's not exactly, but it doesn't take long for that to add up. Right. So, you, you know, so you really want to you really want to do your part and try to get get them out of there. You know, especially if you're managing for for whitetails or however you know whatever you're doing for your ground, and that's not including the the turkeys and and everything else that they, uh, you know, that they'll they'll get or small game and everything, and the, the downside to managing for whitetails is it's it's a great thing and it makes for great hunting, but it also brings that's where the, all the food source is, so that's going to bring your predators in. in. That's what that's what makes a hard line to, to follow because you're you want to do good for your whitetails, but it also is making a, a nice buffet for the coyotes because your food plots, your cornfields, that's going to bring in your rabbits and your squirrels and your turkeys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of just setting up like a buffet for them. Right. So, yeah. It sounds
2: like it's, it almost sounds like, you know, to me, it's like if you're doing any type of whitetail, you know, management or quality deer management, it almost sounds like predator hunting almost has to be a component of that at some point. Uh,
0: yep, exactly. You know, eventually they're going to start getting overrun, you yeah. know, in there.
2: Right. And so for me, that's kind of where I guess where this becomes a a bit of a selfish uh, podcast, (laughs) because we've been we've been kind of working on the farm, um, you know, doing exactly what you're saying. We've been putting in food plots. We've been building some habitat and so forth. Um, And we've we've always had good numbers at our farm. Uh, You know, I can I can honestly say that we're starting to see a little bit better um, in terms of uh, of bone growth uh, on the farm Mm -hmm. this year. You know, um, last year was the first year that we really kind of started focusing on, on 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 habitat improvement and this year we're we're seeing some some benefits from it already albeit not astronomical but we're you know baby steps um and the one thing i'm noticing is i'm definitely starting to see more coyotes I'm catching them a lot more on game camera than i ever have in the past um mm-hmm. so for me it's like i wanted to start thinking about predator hunting just from the quality deer management side of things to make sure that my fawn recruitment isn't dropping based on how much predation I could potentially have uh, on, on our farm. So for me as a guy who's starting out, because I'm going to assume there are some folks out there listening that probably have some similar issues, um, you know, if I'm starting out, you know, just getting interested in, in predator hunting, um, you know, what are some tips you could give a, a beginner from, you know, as far down the line as, you know, what type of rifle and glass should you be using uh, that would maybe work the best for you, you know, outside of maybe the deer rifle that you potentially already own, you know, to the calls and stuff like that, that you would suggest, you know, for a beginner. I,
0: uh, you know, I would, if, if you're just going in for the manager, tiles to get them out of the area. I, I would, you know, and you don't want to spend the money on a rifle. I would just use your deer, rifle, You mm-hmm. know, if you're just more concerned on getting rid of them, but I, I use two forty three. Mm-hmm. Uh That's a, Good all-around caliber. It's a little heavy for foxes, but it's great for coyotes. I bet twenty-two, two-fifty. You know, even two-twenty-three. You know, they're mm-hmm. all they'll all do the work. Uh, but I do a lot of daytime and nighttime hunting, okay. so I kind of I have to meet the middle between. A, you know, I need a good scope at night that picks up light, and also a good one during the day. You know, right. and I've used. A bunch of different scopes. You know, you, you'll see one or you'll hear about one. Somebody's saying, oh, this one's really good. You know, like it's happy half, with both ways, the nighttime and, and daytime hunting. But uh, the Burris Predator Quest series scopes that uh, they, the Predator Quest has come out with, I have a, mm-hmm. a 3 to 9 by 40, and that's honestly a, probably one of the best scopes I've looked through. I'm not wow. just saying that because I'm part of the, the you know, I'm on the approach to that. It's actually a very, very good scope at night and at daytime, crystal clear, you know. Mm-hmm. so i would I would highly recommend that, even if I wasn't on their staff i I would actually recommend that scope because it's i'm I've I'm been very impressed with it and I mean, as long as you keep a bigger bell on you know forty millimeter to fifty millimeter where it's gonna collect light at night, you know that's mm-hmm. that's pretty much what all you all you need <clears throat> so but as far as calling and stuff, I use a lot of hand calls
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh I also use electronic calls because there's times that I don't have a, a lot of time to where I can pick and choose where I want to hunt because of the wind direction so if I go into an area that I can't get the wind right for using hand calls obviously I'm going to use an electronic call and I'll stick it out so I can get the wind right, right. you know so that way I'm still being I'm still able to hunt that area right uh, but they never want to none, just a simple <clears throat> a simple how like a, a lonesome how or interrogation how which is the, the same thing is people overlook the, the power of just a, a simple how and what it does to a coyote's mind. You know, really? it's, it's like, you know, say you walk outside your house and you have an, a neighbor, a couple houses down and he's outside, you know, you don't really, you talk to him, but you don't really hang out much with him. But when you walk outside, you see him and you just yell, Hey, really loud. You know, he looks down, he might say, Hey, back to you and wave, you yeah. know, or, he might say, Hey, all right, I got to talk to him. So he's going to, he knows you're outside. So he's going to come over and talk to you. And that's the kind of the same principle was doing a, like a lonesome and how is you're just out there and you're letting all the coyotes know that, all right, there's another coyote over here. You know, they may like that guy, they might just say, they might howl back just saying hi, you know, Mm -hmm. or they might come in and be like, all right, you know, this, I don't want this guy on my turf or I want to go see what, He's up to and my on my ground, you know what I mean.
1: Right. So that
0: just just that simple how or two to start your set off is, I mean that that up your odds of calling a coyote in quite a bit.
2: Now, is that something you would use to try to call them in as 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 like a strategy, or is that really what you just mentioned, like your setup call before you get into making any type of distress calls?
0: So i will see. I'll, yeah, I'll do that first. That that's part of my. I call one sequence. That's the usually ninety eight percent of the time. That's the very first thing that I do. Okay. And uh, sometimes I'll even use two different calls, and I'll make a howl on one hand call, and a howl on a different one. That way, it you, you sound like two coyotes in there. Sometimes that's enough to get them to to come take a look at you. Mm-hmm. But once you do that, and give it a couple minutes, let it let that howl sink into their head that all right, there's a coyote over there. Then you start into your you're falling in distress, you're, you're rabbit distress. Now they're, they've heard you howl, and now they're, they, they're hearing something dying, so then it clicks in their head, all right, this, they're gonna, you're gonna start to agitate them a little bit, because they're gonna be like, all right, this coyote's on my ground, and now he's killing my rabbit, or he's killing my deer. I'm going over there to get rid of him, or I'm gonna come over to to, to get whatever he has. Right. So you're also, you you know, the main thing that the, the most luck that I have, the main thing I try to do is I try to get into that coyote's head right off the bat that, you know, that, okay, I'm, there's something going on over here. I heard a coyote. I hear this, you know, that's the main, your main objective.
2: <clears throat> the main objective is just to get into their head essentially.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. So are there different types of calls that you're going to, that you'll break out for different times, different times of the year? So like, you know, for, for deer hunters, you know, it's like early in the season, you know, depending where you're at, I know Pennsylvania, it's kind of tough, you know, for, for deer, they don't respond just because the, uh, you know, the sex ratio is often, often are in balance on properties to to do this. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, in theory, if you're in the Midwest, you you might want to use a soft grunt. And as you get later into the season, you might want to be a little bit more aggressive. And then when you get toward like that pre-rut, rut time, it's like, you know, in the Midwest, some states, you can really have a lot of success rattling, you know, and getting aggressive with that. So. With that in mind, is there, a, is there something similar that goes on in, in predator hunting where you can different times of year really kind of necessitate different types of call or different aggressiveness of calls?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, in the, in the springtime, like I started. Well, I hunt year round, but right. once the springtime gets here, uh, and they start having their they have their pups, they have their denning area. They're they're very very territorial. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't they don't want any other coyotes in there eating their animals, they're, they're, whatever they're going to be eating. So that's where that howl <clears throat> comes into play also with them wanting to kick you out of there. You know, they, they're going to come in. And <clears throat> in the springtime, I try to go... With the, in the springtime, there's a, a huge amount of food for coyotes. So You've got your rabbits, your squirrels, your fawns, your your big turkeys, your little turkeys, you know, the grasshoppers. They eat a lot of berries. Mm-hmm. So you... you they're, you're not going to call a lot of them in on food sounds because they're not, they don't need it. They are, they're usually full. Right. So I, I do a lot more howling, and I'll throw in some fawn distress because that's the perfect time of year in the spring for when the fawns start dropping. Right. And then I'll switch to uh, doing like coyote kind of distress where you know, the, the maternal instinct kicks in and they want to come in and save that. The, their their pup or they don't know if it's their pup or if it's another pup it doesn't seem like it doesn't matter they okay. still want to come in and, and check it out but I'll run that the whole way through like I was, I was out last night and hunting and I mean I'm still running that but once in the fall and then once the colder weather starts hitting I'll do more I'll obviously howl off the get go but I'll do a lot more prey sounds for okay. a longer period because the once the snow starts falling then the food sources are, are dwindling down, you know, you're going to go after their stomach more, I guess you want to say, you know, because they're going to be hungrier than they are right now.
2: Right. So their food sources almost kind of uh, parallel or match a whitetail's food sources, it seems like.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. You know, which is which is interesting. So, you know, we're talking about calls and you you kind of covered off on what type of glass you like to use and, you know, the different types of calls you might want to employ during the different types of season. Are there any, you know, as you're scouting an area or you're getting ready to figure out how you're going to set up? Are there certain topographic features that are going to be better than others for for hunting predators or different types of predator species and you know and in those topogra- topographic features are there different types of sign that you're looking for that they'll lay down along a field edge versus you know on a ridge or whatever the case might be? Can you kind of talk a little bit about how topography might play a role in in how you approach predator hunting
0: yeah they uh, the majority of the coyotes during the daytime, I find that they are in like hollows. They'll be halfway, three quarters way up one side of the hall or, you know, so, and that's, and during I'm hunting in the daytime, I usually stay away from fields. I go right in the woods after them, <laughs> you know, and I try to try to set up the, and once you do it a couple of times and, you know, you can get them to howl, uh, the last couple of years, it's really picked up of getting them to howl in the daytime, you know, five, six years ago, you couldn't, didn't matter what you did, you could hardly get them to howl. and now. You go out there and do a couple of howls, and then they'll they'll start howling back at you. So, wow. oh, and then that's which is great because that's telling you exactly where they're at and right. where they're you know where they're how you want to call it their core area where they spend the majority of their daytime hours. So, I look for rocky, you know, hillsides or hollows. It seems like the best place to to find them. And it, at nighttime, it's I try to hit if I know these coyotes are staying in this hollow. I try to hit fields. That or close the closest fields that I can to that. That way, I know I have a better chance that I'm here in my my calling because you can't. It's really hard to hunt them in the woods at night. I mean, with, with the trees and it's just it's a it's a pain to try to do that because you just can't see good enough as you can out in the in the field at night. Right. So, but they. I, I mean, no. And the other thing, you could go out and you know it's a it's a, a coyote. They don't have much. To worry about i mean they can lay down wherever they want to so i mean you can go out to the, the flattest piece of woods that you got and call a coyote in but i you know most of the time they're in a hollow or, or a rocky hillside that i that i found out over the years right <clears throat>
2: hmm. interesting yeah because i know you know again on, on our farm it's like where we hear when i do hear howling it's definitely on the side of the mountain that's behind actually behind the farm is where I usually hear most of the most of the howling. Uh, which is kind of that terrain you're exactly you're talking about. It's it's a little thicker, um, rocky, um, which would definitely be a challenge to to uh to <laughs> to find and kill them there. It's it, in all the pictures I've had of them, I've never really had them come along field edges or anything like that. So, um, I think that the folks or the ones we have with the farmer acting exactly as you're suggesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, they there the cows here or or are... If they're the same as the coyotes out west, I don't want to put a difference between the coyote is the coyote. They're going to, you know, they, if they all think the same, they're going to react. I don't say they're going to react the same, but the same sounds are going to kill eastern coyotes versus western coyotes, you know. But right. where you hunt them is completely opposite. And I think that's where a lot of new people or even people who have a couple of years in parlor hunting, I think that's where they make their, they one of their biggest mistakes of I'm going to go to this field and call. You know, at daylight. Well, the are not going to be there, and the chances of calling one to that field and it actually coming out and showing itself is, is pretty slim. You know, like out west, uh, they don't have much woods like we have. Right. You know, so they're going to find a little piece of woods, but they're a lot more comfortable coming out into the open. You understand right. what I'm saying? Like you're going to have a better chance of calling into it. Bakerfield. And yeah, I mean, you're going to see them coming in from seven, eight hundred thousand yards out. We're here calling in the woods. The last uh, three cops I've called in, by the time I've seen them, they were already within 50 yards of me. Oh,
1: you know right. what I mean?
0: So it's, yeah. it's a whole, I mean, you got to be pretty much ready. As soon as you hit a call, you got to be pretty much staring down your scope. You know what I mean? Uh, right. They can show up quick.
2: Yeah, you're not going to have a whole lot of a whole lot of. They're not going to give you a whole lot of opportunity to say, "Hey, here I am. Watch me." Yeah,
0: yeah here you're I right. come. No, no. Yeah, so
2: you you mentioned something there just a second ago, and it's funny because it it was the perfect segue because the next thing I wanted to kind of ask you was, you know, what are? So you, you mentioned that one of the biggest mistakes people people make is where they're where they're hunting coyotes as a, as a beginner, even if they're a couple years in. Um, hmm. So what are some like if you had to categorize like the top five mistakes that you see new people make that if they would just you know, cut down on those five mistakes, they'd probably see their predator hunting success go up. What are what are those top five things in your mind?
0: Obviously, the, the main thing is you have to be where the coyotes are. That's right. plain and simple. And you know, I was I fell into that category for probably I want to say ten years.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I
0: knew there I knew there was coyotes in the areas, but I wouldn't pay enough attention to where they actually were. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go into this field and call. Well, I wouldn't have any luck. Right. Or, you know, you would you'd start calling and they would start howling, but they're a good ways away. So you're like, oh. oh, all right, they can they can hear me. But the things you have to factor in is that coyotes have boundary lines that they you know, they won't cross. And their their areas they can be big, they can be small depending on the food sources. If they have a lot of food sort like a lot of food in that area, their 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 area, their home range not doesn't have to be that big. So, but you might be calling to where you're calling from might not be their. I want to say it, might not be their ground, you know. So they're going to answer you. They're going to do their normal stuff, but they're not going to commit to your calling, you know. But you might get the you know whoever's area that is to come in, but they might be a long ways off also. So you need to, you know, the the best thing that I could tell you is know exactly where your coyotes are. You know, try try your best to find their their core area, and then go off of that. Because if you, I'll try to break it down like an easy. I'll make it like a human way. Say say I come to your ground, and I know you frequent this area back. You know the back section of your property quite a bit, but you're not there all the time. But I go in there and I just stand there and I start yelling free bacon.
3: Right. You. Know, you m <laughs> making? got me. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: you you might hear me, you might not hear me. Right. Nine times out of ten, you're probably not gonna be back that, that far to hear me. Mm-hmm. So if I you know, you might I might get lucky, you might be back there checking the trail camera and you hear free bacon. Oh, I'm going over here.
3: But
1: mm-hmm.
0: if I sneak in to this say you, you have a house there and I get into your house and I'm in your kitchen and I yell free bacon. You're going to be like, "Cool, man, I'm there." Right. So that's the same thing as setting up. You know, you can set up in their home range and still not have luck. But if you can get into their core, close to their core area, you know, you don't have to call as much. You don't have to call as loud, and their their guard's going to be down a lot more, to where they don't have to. Uh, they're not going to try to circle downwind as much because they feel so safe in their in their home. You know, what I mean, right. their house, I guess, if you want to call it.
2: So how do but, you, I mean? Do, that, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead.
0: Uh, yeah, go ahead. that was I was finished oh. <laughs> <All> there.
2: <right. laughs> so I was I was going to say, how do you? So all that makes sense. Um, and it makes absolute sense where it's like you kind of wonder why people wouldn't wouldn't think of it. But um, how do you define what their core area is? Like, how do you you know for you know again like I'll relate it to something I'm most familiar with you know which is deer hunting. It's like I can kind of go in and if I see a, you know, a fallen tree that looks like it'd be a a good buck bed or whatever, and then I see a staging area around there with a bunch of scrapes and stuff like that, it's like, I can make a pretty good assumption. Like, okay, this is probably this guy's bedroom. Then in his core area, we'll go out, you know, so many acres around that essentially, right. It will be like his, his home turf. Um, Mm -hmm. how do you go about identifying that whenever it comes to coyotes understanding, you like where their, where their bedroom is and what might define their core area?
0: I, a lot of that just comes from hunting hunting that area.
2: Mm-hmm. Is there know, any sign like, specific to, the, to specific to their core area that you, that you would pick up on?
0: Oh, if you, you're going to see a lot more, a lot a lot more tracks, a lot more scat, you yeah. know. And but a lot of that bases off of hunting them in the mornings and getting them to howl. You know, you do that two or three times, and you're like, all right, they keep howling from that same spot. Okay. You know, so that's, how, that's main. that's how I, you know, really right. so in a sense, it's where like, they're, where they're staying.
2: Right. So in a sense, it's like that initial howling sequence, like if you go to a new farm, right. Say I called you up and said, Hey Jerry, I got coyotes down at my farm that I need, I need someone to help me take care of that first howling sequence you would do not only is kind of like, you know that first sequence that you like to set up with, but it might be how you kind of start to determine where they're where they're living, so you can basically start to map your plan for future hunts in that area. Does that sound correct?
0: Oh, yep, that's a hundred percent right. I mean, you're you're hunting and scouting. You know, what I mean, it's right. You know, it's like white you can kind of you have trail. I mean, you could use trail cameras for coyotes, but it's you're going to be. You know, I think you're going to be wasting a lot more time than actually getting in there, making stands and learning that area as you're hunting it, you know, and the downfall of that is last night I went out to a, a new farm. I found the farm years ago, but the guy got hold of me and he had, it's a, it's a beef farm and he's been here in cows, seeing seen cows, and he doesn't want them stressing his, his cows out. Right. So where I used to have luck there where the cows used to stay, I went and set up there. Cause I thought, all right, you know, this is where I used to set up, you know, well here, mm-hmm. they're not in there anymore. They moved. They moved. They were about, I don't know, eight hundred yards farther away. Well, I set up completely wrong, and once I got them to the howl and everything, I'm, I'm not moving because as soon as you stand up to move, that's when they're gonna, one's gonna be standing there looking at you. It seems like. Right. <laughs> so, but that turned into over an hour long set where we were howling back and forth, and I, I just threw the the kitchen sink at them. Everything that I knew how to do, every sound. You know, I mean, I just i I just couldn't get them to budge, mm-hmm. when I finally hit some like higher pitched uh, challenge house, and I got two of them. I saw two sets of eyes coming, mm-hmm. and so I set up wrong. There's a little hollow in the field where I couldn't see the bottom of it, and they come away probably three hundred yards across that field, and I'm sitting there, and they went out of sight, and I'm like, they gotta be popping up here sometime, and I sat there for another twenty minutes and never saw them so apparently, you know I just by setting up wrong. Is another big thing. I mean, you got to set up right also to, you know, and you're going to, the only way you're going to learn that is to over years of doing it. You right. know, like that was a mistake. I learned from my mistake. I know, you know, I'm kicking myself in the butt. Like, I couldn't sleep last night and I'm still mad at myself for. You know, not getting that, not getting at least one limb out of there for them. You know,
2: right? Yeah, it's something how the uh, how hunting like that. There's there's small mistakes. You know, number one kind of doom you. And number two, how badly it, it eats you up. I can I I can completely yeah, understand the the, uh, the sleepless nights. It's quite <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah. Well, I was like, mad.
0: Yeah. Walking back to my truck, I was just like you. You know, you're so stupid, blah <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <Uh-oh>. blah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. There's been days in the tree stand where I felt like I just wanted to throw my bow out of the. Tree. I thought mm-hmm. I might have better luck hitting something by throwing my bow. But, <laughs> <laughs> but so you know, talking. You know, we we covered a bunch of stuff here. Um, you know, all, all really good information. I'm getting quite the education here on my end, Phil. I don't know about about
3: you. You're feeling pretty uh, pretty educated here. Yeah, this is a. Uh, I think kind of like. It is. It's quite the education. A little mind-blowing because, I mean, I think at first glance it seems like, oh, man, this this is going to be easy. I get a gun. I get some calls. I go out, and bang, it's going to happen. But the more that I think about it, and I think it's it's that much truer, I think a lot of other people that are, that are potentially listening uh, should think about it, too. Like, it's really about getting out there and spending time out there. I mean, I, I don't think you can just go out there. and same like deer. You can't just go out there and, and be lucky uh, all the time, and most times you're going to strike out. But it's about putting the time in and understanding, uh, you know, the movements, understanding um, the mindsets. Uh, but I do, I do like how it is kind of a, a mind game to a point. Um, one of the things that uh, in previous podcasts have kind of hinted at is is I'm really an advocate of like you know going from field to table and understanding like how my family's eating, how I'm eating. And I was just wondering, I mean, I've never heard of eating coyotes before, but like, is that a, a viable food source?
0: Uh, you could probably eat it. I, I <laughs> wouldn't,
3: <laughs> Hey, I don't, I don't know. Want... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm learning right now, so <laughs> <laughs> I watched the TV. I don't know if you ever watched that TV
0: show. It was called meat eaters with uh, Steve Rinella. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they cook, We were actually they, just they talking cook. about
2: him right before we jumped on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They they shot a coyote on there and ate it, you know. Wow. And you yeah. I, I don't. I wouldn't recommend it, you know. Okay. I bet it tastes like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're probably the other white meat. I'd imagine. Right.
2: <laughs> Maybe we're missing out on a huge business opportunity. I don't know. You know, we can start packaging it up and selling it somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> so, not about so, this guy. I know that. Yeah, yeah.
3: So actually, um, I, I mean, kind of on the same, uh, on the same messaging. With coyotes, I mean, is it very similar with hunting foxes? Because where I hunt, which is probably about uh, you know about two and a half hours east of where Clinton and, and Jerry, where you hunt, um, I, s- I actually see more foxes than coyotes. So um, would you would you essentially go after foxes within the same mindset? Obviously, not the howling perspective, but
0: yeah, pr- kind of, and a little bit different. I'll. Once my like, fox season comes in here in the end of October, mm-hmm. I change my calling up a little bit. I'll I'll start off with prey sounds, okay? Because you you know you're gonna you still might run the chances of calling a, a a coyote in, and you're if you're going after fox, you're gonna call them in. You know I I wish you could go out and and you know hunt both of them, but you kind of gotta you kind of gotta break it down to all right, I'm hunting coyotes, all right, I'm hunting fox, right you know I mean you can't you you can't really use the same tactics I mean uh, most of the time a fox isn't gonna come in after you did a, like a howling sequence because they're like, I'm not going in there, I'm gonna get eaten Yeah, you it's know coyote. so <laughs> yeah but and and the when I, I'll go in and make a normal fox stand where I'll run you know some I'll do some prey stress or the rabbit bird, whatever, and then. I'll usually try to do some type of of gray fox pop distress towards mm-hmm. the end of that, and I've actually have had a handful of coyotes come in during that that sound. Oh wow! You know, because and I, I think it's a a uh, they want to come in and get rid of that fox because it's a competitor for their food. Yeah. So, but at the end of that, I will then that's when I will howl, and, okay. and if I get coyotes, if I get the coyotes to start howling back, depending on how close they are. I will either keep the stand going from there or I'll pull my phone. Everyone has an iPhone, pull it out, pull up a map, and look and be like, all right, I can get to this field, and I'll just move on them, you know? Uh, that makes sense, yeah. But it, it's, uh, that's kind of, you know, the way I changed up a little bit. In the, but if, if I'm in a hunt, a coyote hunt or something like that, it's the same sequence. I mean, I start off with howls
1: yeah. all
0: throughout the year. And I try to do. I try to do like a female howl, which it's like a little bit higher pitched pretty much, I guess you want to say. Okay. Because okay. they're more, it's more, uh, it's not as a, abrupt, I guess, or how you ever want to say it about, you know, they're more likely to be easier, or, you know, it's like a girl telling you high, instead of a big burly man coming in and saying, hey, how are you doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> You're not going to be as, as intimidated, I guess, would be the best way sure. to put it. Sure, sure. So, um, so you
2: mentioned you mentioned fox season comes in in October, which was there was you know something I wanted to ask you two things actually. You mentioned there was one: is there a better time of year than others to hunt predators, be it fox or coyote? And then when you'd mentioned you know doing a female call, is there a type of you know is there is a time of year where the where coyotes specifically are, are breeding, where they'll react more to like mating calls, much like you know how we do with. How we work deer in terms of the, the during the uh, the the rut
0: time or the rut, the peak of the rut. Yep, yeah, it's it, it's the same thing. You know, I mean, it's uh, you know obviously the the coyotes have their breeding season, and you, it's the same as the rut. But you're going to have instead of the males running around trying to breed every female, they'll they'll mainly uh, they usually stick with their own. You know, what I mean, they'll, you'll have pairs, but it doesn't mean you can't call that. You might have. A male out there that doesn't have a female, so he'd run around looking like like you'd have you know your bucks running around the ridges right. trying to find a hot bell. So, and that time of year I do a lot of female howls, and you know, that's that's actually the name for it's female invitational howl, and which is a lot of a lot of higher pitched howls and more of a closer sequence of how, like how, you know what I mean like non not almost say nonstop but a lot more howling than you're what you'd normally do and all that is 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 saying it's almost like you turning over the primo's can call you know all right i'm i'm over here i'm I'm looking for a man and a lot of time you'll get them to show up but the the funny part about that is i've called a lot of females in with that you know so i don't know if they're coming in because they have a man and they're going to kick you out of the ground, so you're, you know, they' The male coyote doesn't leave her and go to that one, right? So, and they also do what's called like whimpers, and they do that while they're while they're breeding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it it's without a call or, or anything. I mean, you can get on the internet, and YouTube, and type in like coyote whimpers, and you can get a good idea of what it sounds like. And you know, end of, end of February, March, and stuff. That's when I'll start doing that when the breeding season. Starts
2: t- uh, kicking off. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I definitely like I just mentioned. Like this, this is a whole new world <laughs> for me. I feel like I got quite, quite the education. I know we took up a lot of your, your uh, Saturday morning here. So, we'll. Uh, I have one more question for you, and then we'll we can go ahead and, and wrap it up and get you on back to your uh, enjoying your weekend. But what I would like to do, if you could, is just take. A memorable hunt, you know, from getting out of the truck to like the kill, or even if there's not a kill, like that, you know, the, 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 the pinnacle moment of of the hunt, and it can be coyote, it can be deer or whatever, but just kind of give us a, a, a day of field with uh, with Jerry Landon, if you would.
0: I, it's actually, this is going to be about two and a half weeks ago. I, I had a guy get a hold of me from up here that he sent me a, the the sirens, a fire whistle, went off in the morning, and he works up there. And he was outside, and he sent me a video of from his phone of coyotes howling down in this hollow, you know. So, which that's great for me. I could just sit there and watch it all day because I'm, I think I'm a little bit crazy when it comes to coyotes. But right. uh, he he said, why don't you get up here and get these? And I'm like, all right. Well, I, I always with areas like that, I always pull it up on the phone, like a map and stuff, and I'll look at it and I'll try to figure out from that video. I figured out where those coyotes were kind of howling from. But anyway, I got in there and at the new area and I got in there and I got, I'm trying to find a place to set up. And I took the rifle, which I wish I'd have took a shotgun, but you know there was just no place to set up where it wasn't close quarters. And uh, so anyway, I just, I picked the best spot that I do and I, I'm trying to sneak around, trying to look, find better places. And I'm like, man, I guess I just got to get set up here before I booger these things up. Cause I'm, I spent a half an hour walking around trying to to find the best spot to sit, so I got set up, and there was an old logging road, and they were where the cows were howling. up was probably 350 yards from me, straight across on this hillside. So I'm got set up, and I I did some howling, and I didn't hear anything, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I know they're there. So, but then I switched over, and I started doing like falling distress, and I ran that for about five, six minutes or so, and I stopped, and I'm just sitting there. And I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, I know these things are here. Well, when you know it, like 15 yards from me, this cow jumps out of the brush, crosses the road, and comes up. I was just sitting about five yards off the right side of the road, and it was like a an older, overgrown field of probably only 40 yards wide by 60, 70 yards long. But it was it was was a terrible setup. But that cow jumped through. And come up in front of me, and I could never get a shot at it. I'm like, how can you have a coyote at 15 yards and not kill it? <laughs> and I'm sitting there getting mad at myself, you know. And and uh, like I'm like, I just blew it. Like I can't stand. It's so hard here to get one that, whenever I blow the stand like that, I I get mad at myself. Like last night, you know what I mean? It's good, you have to try so hard to, to make it happen. Well, I thought, all right, it didn't see me. It didn't smell me. I'm gonna. I switched over. Started doing pop distress. And about thirty seconds into that, probably forty-five, fifty yards down the road, as far, about as far as I could see, this coyote jumped out on the road, and I'm like, it, it looked like an elephant. It's huge, and <laughs> it's running right at me, you know. And its its eyes were bugging out, and I'm, I was still doing pop distress when it jumped out, and here it ended up being a big male, and it was it was forty-eight pounds. Holy and, smokes! Wow. Well, this thing's running at me with its eyes bugged out it's mad it's coming in to kick whatever's butts hurting its pups and I'm the one making that sound so he's coming after me you know and <laughs> I'm like I actually from the first time I'm actually got the old I got the pucker factor you know what I mean? right. <laughs> he's coming for me well they to say he got up about 20 yards and jumped right in front of me like I don't know what I barked at him to try to get him to stop because he was as close as I wanted him to get and uh I don't know if it echoed somehow funny, but he jumped up in the in the weeds, kind of like in front of me, and looked away from me, and I I dropped him right there. But I'm like, I got up and I was laughing because I'm like, you are a little wuss because I was scared. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but like, just when that thing that big coyote kind of jumped out onto the road the first time, that image is burnt into my head. You know, what I mean, like, it was just it's probably one of the scariest slash funniest hunts that I've. I've had, you know what I mean? Like, so like sometimes, like, like right now, I'm smiling about it because I was, you know, this stupid coyote scared the crap out of me because I thought it was going to come eat me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: man, that's uh, that's 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 hunting, though. I mean, if if we can't do it and have a have a smile on our face, you know, because I think sometimes, you know, I'm guilty of this, you know, it, it, taking it so seriously, trying to get something done, and whenever it doesn't work out, you get a little disappointed. But you know, I think that story right there is a great example of you know. It, you know, any day in the woods when you come out, you should have a smile on your face and just be thankful you got to go do it.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent there. Yep. It's very, just yeah. a great time to be out there, you know, that's right.
2: But I think with that, you know, Phil, unless you have any other, any other, uh, uh, questions to further your education here. Um, I think we can let Jerry, uh, have the rest of his Saturday back and finish up his coffee.
3: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to digest a lot of everything that, that, uh, was, uh, spoken. So anything more, my head might explode yeah exactly
2: so Jerry, I want to thank you for you know making time for us. I know this is a uh, early on a saturday morning to to get this done, but I appreciate it. I think the listeners are going to have a lot to as Phil just mentioned digest and, and chew on and uh you know I'd love to have you back on here sometime later later in the year and and continue the conversation talk about some deer hunting some predator hunting and just see what you've been up to
0: well yeah, that would be great i, I appreciate the opportunity to do this i I can go all day talking forever and I just I love it. You know what I mean? I love helping new people who don't know, even people who have been doing it for a couple of years, maybe they're having a you know hard time or something. So that's it, something I enjoy doing. And I look forward to getting older or getting back with you guys and having another conversation about it. awesome.
2: All right. Well, thanks Jerry. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Thank you guys very much.
2: All right. That's it for today's show. I just want to thank Jerry for joining us today. I learned a lot I think that I can put into practice at the farm here in the upcoming future and hope that those of you listening found some nuggets of info that you would find helpful as well. If you'd like to follow Jerry and his hunts, uh, you can find his Facebook page in the blog show notes. If you'd like to learn more about Predator Quest, you can find a link to their page as well in the show notes. Uh, as always, want to thank you listeners for continuing to download and subscribe to the podcast. As a reminder, you can scri- uh, subscribe through iTunes and Stitcher. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would be great if you could leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. That would be super helpful. And one last thing, we're going to start to include some listener stories on the podcast. And if you have an interesting story you'd like to share, uh, please get a hold of me you know, either on Facebook or you can email me at clint at com. And give me just a brief description of your hunt that you would like to share, and I'll start to contact some of you folks to, uh, to get you involved in the show as well. So until next time, we'll see you.